Does anybody have the memory verse? Before we get started. pretty close just spitballing he had it totally memorized he was just trying to uh, I mean uh, all right let's pray before we get started dear heavenly father uh, again we thank you and are grateful that you brought us here together thank you for uh, forming us into a family of believers giving us each other as brother and sister. We ask, Lord, that you would bless our time together as we are here to worship you and to to learn about you. And uh, I ask, Lord, that you would um, enable us to understand your word and to love it. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, lesson six. Salvation. Um, so I have bad news. Is, well, do, uh, well, okay, do you want the bad news first? Do you want the bad news first? This is going to be a two-part lesson. Two parts, okay. <laughs> two parts. Uh, the bad news is, is, is if you came today prepared to talk about salvation, uh, you're going to be disappointed because um, we're not going to talk about salvation today. Um, I I realize that I realize that, but and you might be thinking, Justin, why have you done this to me? I'm prepared. I filled in all the blanks, um, but blame John MacArthur and the editors of this book because uh, they want to first review total depravity or the nature of man. Uh, apart from God's grace. Um, and so we're going to do that today. We're going to do an introduction to salvation by way of um, fallen mankind and his condition. So, we will not start with, with the good news. We will start with the bad news. Man's condition apart from God's grace. So, this is this is really good to start with the bad news. Why? Why is this good to start with the bad news? So the good news is good, right? The, the The good news of the gospel really isn't that great if you don't know what the bad news is. For example, um, if I knew ahead of time that tomorrow all the ingredients necessary to make tacos would be obliterated from the face of this planet because of a an agricultural catastrophe. Um, and I and I told you that this afternoon we were going to have tacos, but I didn't give you the bad news first. You'd be like, "Sweet, that's cool, tacos. I like tacos." 
But if I gave you the bad news first, the good news about tacos is great news. Because you'll never have them again. Right? No. But, also, for example, if you went into the doctor, you had a scrape or something that was infected, and you came to get some antibiotics, and he walks in the room, and he's like, I've got some good news. I just discovered a cure for a rare type of cancer, and uh, the, the survival rate of this cancer is 0%. It's going to save so many lives. You'd be like, congratulations, that's good news. But if he first told you that you have that cancer, that good news is great news, right? So if we, if we fully understand or better understand our condition before we understand the good news of the gospel, the, the good news becomes great news. So I imagine that's why uh, John MacArthur wants us to start there. But if you were here two weeks ago, which I wasn't, you already got some of this, so you're going to get a double portion of how wretched you are apart from Christ. So, who can tell me what this acronym is for? What would we what would we what would we call this an acronym for though? Right? The five points of Calvinism or the doctrines of grace. Right. The doctrines of grace. And we love the doctrines of grace. We love tulip. It is a glorious thing. The doctrines of grace are a summarization of what scripture teaches about salvation. They're uh, extracted from scripture, not forced upon it. Contrary to what critics would suggest uh who can tell me what all five of the points are you jack said total depravity we're not talking about any of the other ones so this is just for fun unconditional what other than you aaron Unconditional love, that is absolutely untrue. <laughs> Unconditional election, and Jack is cheating, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. L. Limited atonement. Irresistible grace. And... Impressive science. Was that what you said? Impressive science? Perseverance of the saints. I, I wish that we could just talk about these this morning, but we're not going to. We're only going to talk about the first one, total depravity. So when we say total depravity, uh, what we're talking about is the nature and condition of fallen humanity as taught by Scripture. Yes, you're jumping ahead. So, as he was pointing out, they, this doctrine can be referred to to a couple of other things. One of them is 
total inability. And what's what's the other one? Starts with an R. Radical corruption. Uh, <laughs> no, it, but it, in my opinion, I think it is the best. It is the best explanation because it is the most precise. Total inability, absolutely true. Uh, total depravity, absolutely true. But radical corruption seems to be the most precise uh, in regard to what Scripture teaches about the nature of man. Um, and I'll show you why. The word radical, not used by a Ninja Turtle, uh, is from the Latin radix, which means root. All right? And the definition is relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, far-reaching or thorough. And that is certainly what Scripture teaches about the nature of man uh, apart from Christ. We are at our root corrupt. Yes. Um, I'm not sure. I did notice that the noun form of radical is referred to as a person who is right, something like that. But an adjective for radical is was different. Could be. Let's go with that. Could be that too. Anyways, so... I prefer radical corruption. I think it's the most precise way to describe human nature. Um, however, we're, I'm going to say total depravity. Okay, that's the most common use. Also, if you use radical corruption, the acronym becomes RULIP, and we all know that RULIP is not a thing at all. So, <laughs> we're not going to say that. So, total depravity. All right? You could. You could use that. But in my notes and on the slides, it says total deprived. So we'll go, we'll go with that. All right. So before we, before we get to anything else, um, let's get a couple myths or misunderstandings about total depravity or human nature out of the way. Um, first of all, what TULIP or what total depravity is not, what it does not mean is that we are as depraved as we could be. Right. Some people will accuse proponents of total depravity as saying that we are as totally depraved as we possibly could be. Uh, that's not what the doctrine teaches. Um, question is man basically good. Everybody says no. He's yeah. Pelagius says yes, and most cults say yes. Jehovah's Witnesses, the uh, the Mormons, uh, even your Southern Baptist 
provisionists, now they call themselves, instead of traditionalists, um, they would agree that in and of themselves, man has the ability. Yes. I think so. Yeah, secular humanism, um, the cults. I mean, I mean, this is something that Oprah Winfrey would be an advocate of. Uh, your um, Osteen. I was trying to think of the the, the term, uh, the gospel. What is it? Oh, the the prosperity gospel. I can't think this morning. Um, proponents of the prosperity gospel. We have within ourselves this good, this natural good. We just need to reach deep down inside and bring those things to fruition and and whatnot. Anyways, so man is not basically good. And we'll look at scripture to prove it. Uh, what that meme? I don't know. I just, it popped up. <laughs> I actually didn't. But, uh, as I was looking at this, though, this morning, I was like, that would be a really interesting thing to see Paul and Pelagius in the same room together. Well, what might go down would be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, so Pelagius thought that man in and of himself has the ability to to use his free will to choose God. Uh, he, the, grace is, um, it is uh, beneficial, but is not necessary. Man can in and of himself because of his natural goodness, um, be saved. Uh, scripture does not teach that at all whatsoever. Um, and then you probably heard me say this before. There are only two biblical categories of people. No one is neutral. There, there's no middle of the road for a spiritual state. Um, there is no agnostic limbo that people exist in um you're not spiritually on the fence you're one category or the other all right so you're either in christ or (laughs) or not in christ yeah but what would paul say in adam you're either in christ or you're in adam you're in the spirit or in the flesh. You're a slave to Christ or a slave to sin. You're alive in Christ or dead in sin or trespasses. And then there's one more that I didn't put on here. You're either a sheep or a goat. On the last day, Christ is going to separate people from, he's going to put some on his left, those are the sheep, and put the others on his, on his right. No, wait, switch that. On his, wheat and tarot, that's true. I, I didn't get them all, okay. 
But point is, there's no Christ isn't going to put all the rams in the middle. There's either a sheep or a goat. There's there's no middle of the road here. All right, scripture to back this up, what I'm saying. John three nineteen through 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You, you're not impartial or neutral. You either love the darkness or you love the light. You hate one or you hate the other. I mean, that's what scripture says. So, all right. Any, any intelligent comments to interject, questions, corrections, anything? Okay. All right, so let's look at total depravity. The depravity of mankind is total in that it affects everyone. No one is immune. Everyone has been infected by original sin. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. In case anybody was like, well, what if this guy? No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Um, so you can see that nobody is righteous. Nobody has righteousness. Nobody is righteousness or is righteous. No one even understands. No one can reason their way to, self, to being self saved. No one can use their intellectual acumen to become saved. There's nobody seeking for God. For, okay, yes, sir? Yes. Oh. Okay. Okay, so no one seeks for God. Which means there are a lot of churches who are wasting their time and energy and finances building churches and structures around seekers which don't actually exist. According to Paul, anyway. Probably knows a thing or two. Um, All have turned aside. When I read this, all have turned aside... It reminded me of Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim is uh, going down the road. These two jokers jump over the wall. One's name is uh, Hypocrisy. The other's name is... uh... Oh, man. I just forgot his name. Somebody. Hypocrisy. Oh, well. These two jokers jump over the wall, and he calls them out saying, you can't do that. And uh, anyway, so they walk along together. Huh? Yeah. Um, They come to a crossroads. And 
there's a road to the right, which is destruction. There's a road to the left, which is danger. And straight ahead, which is on the king's highway, uh, is the hill difficulty. Well, yes. Formalist and hypocrisy. Thank you. So formalist goes one way. Hypocrisy goes the other way. They turn aside from the way. And, of course, they are destroyed and find themselves in peril and death. Anyways, that's what I thought of. Uh, Together they have become worthless. You're... Apart from the grace of God, you are worthless in gaining yourself any good favor in God's sight completely. No one does good. Priest, nobody. Not even one. But what? A, not even one. Charlie's kind of. No, not Charlie. Not even one. Not even Charlie. So. Think about all these no's, these, these no ones, these nuns, and we're going to do something a little fun. Um, I hope you'll enjoy this. It's time to learn Greek with Justin. <sighs> if, you, if you guys had said that all at once, that would have been awesome. Um, okay, let's try it again. It's time to... Learn Greek with Justin. Yeah. Just like what happened in my head. All right. Who can tell me what that is? It's a Greek word. So the word none and no one used a bunch of times in that last passage we looked at. This is the Greek word used for it. Who knows what it is? Ooh, it's not ooh. Well... Technically, it is ooh. Yeah. All right. It is ooh. It's pronounced ooh as in root. Yeah. Ooh. It's an absolute negative form of another Greek word in bold, which is pronounced may, which means no or not. So being uh, an absolute negative form of of that Greek word, no or not, None and no one literally means none and no one. Absolutely. So when he says none and no one, he pretty much means no one at all, period. So when you have a friend or a coworker, a family member who thinks that people are relatively good, you know, you can say, let me just break down the Greek for you. Paul means nobody. All right. Continuing on. Enter uh, enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. Psalm 143, 2. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's more. The godly has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. Micah 7, 2. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Luke eighteen nineteen. Any questions or comments so far? Objections? Objections? 
Good. None. Ooh. Everybody can say ooh. <laughs> We're Greek speakers. All right. Total depravity uh, of mankind is total in that it affects everything that he or she does. This is also not all that popular. Romans 14.23 says, For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Any comments? Surely somebody must have something to say. Yes. Yeah, certainly something we can't do on our own strength, that's for sure. But but think about, he says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So, for example, if an unbeliever were to build a hospital for children, what does that mean? he's not done it in faith it's according to paul it's sin right (laughs) could be
Right. They don't understand the holiness of God. They don't understand their own nature. And what does Paul call any good works apart from Christ? More precise? But most literally they mean... Yeah. It's... Yeah. That's a trap. What, what's the motivation? Was that was that called double jeopardy? So think about all the good people doing all the good things, and we have to hold them and those things to the light of Scripture. And Scripture says that anything, whatever is done apart from faith, is sin. And that it is impossible to please God apart from faith. Romans 7.18 For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So next we will look at ability. The depravity of mankind is total in that it affects the ability to submit to God. Romans 8, 5 through 9. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile, not neutral, hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can not. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Which means you're pretty hopeless 
in the flesh. There's nothing you can do. You can't do anything to please God. John 3, 3 to 5. Jesus answered him, Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it. Not only can you not get into it, you can't even see it. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Hilarious, Nicodemus. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nobody's walking right in. Nobody's going to reason their way into the kingdom. Nobody's going to work their way into the kingdom. You can't even see it let alone get into it. Whatever's not done or whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. So I would say, yes, every good thing that they're doing is as filthy rags to God. I would say yes. Are you raising your hand or stretching? Oh, oh. All right. Uh, Romans six seventeen and 18. But thanks be to me as I use my free will. Oh, wait, no. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Uh, Romans six seventeen and 18. Slaves only do what their masters tell them to do. Because they're slaves. And you're either, as we know, either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead. Not partially sick or debilitated slightly. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is the Spirit who gives life. The life is no help at all. John six forty four and 63. Another Greek word. We're not going to, we won't. Say it in unison, but another Greek word uh, pronounced dunamai uh, is what is used there when Jesus says no one can come. 
to be able, have power, whether by virtue or one's own ability and resources, or have a state of mind, or through favorable circumstances, or by permission of law or custom. I don't think it was a coincidence that Jesus happened to use that word. It's pretty all-encompassing. You can't do it. You cannot even make an inch of a step towards God unless he draws you. Any questions about that? Comments? Objections? Yes. Any objections to having the ability to come to Christ? Who? Man. Okay. The depravity of mankind is total. Darn it, the time. The depravity of mankind is total in that it affects even the mind and the heart. Ephesians 2.3. Among whom, again, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Titus 1, 15 and 16. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Ecclesiastes 9, 3. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What point does a person become totally depraved? Birth, conception. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 51.5. Genesis 8.21, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. And Psalm 58.3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. That is true. What is the result, the end result of being totally depraved? Death. Condemnation. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Matthew twenty-five, forty-one, and 46. The end result is eternal punishment. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Revelation 21, 8. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you can see that the 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 nature of man, the position that we hold apart from Christ, is the worst possible imaginable situation. It's horrific. Eternal punishment in fire forever. And we can't do anything to get ourselves out of that position. Completely unable. Totally depraved at our core. I don't have time to talk about this, so we'll skip that. Uh, read a good summary by John Piper on total depravity. It says, in summary, total depravity means that apart from any enabling grace from God, our hardness and rebellion against God is total. Everything we do in this rebellion is sin. Our inability to submit to God or reform ourselves is total. And we are therefore totally deserving of eternal punishment. That is some serious bad news. And that's who we are apart from Christ. Uh, we don't have time for that. Maybe I'll just run through that next time. So there's the bad news. With no good news. Hopefully Aaron has some good news for us. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have given us your word, that we, we can understand you and know you, what you desire from us and what you expect from us. We thank you for giving us your law that shows us who we are and who you are. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross and take our burden of sin. I pray and ask God that you would bless the rest of our time, bless Aaron, as he preaches, bless the music team as they lead us in songs of praise and worship. Just give us hearts that are soft and pliable. Help us to love your word and understand it. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.